When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Physics, it rarely gets a moment in the sun. If you're not a physicist, you probably don't hear all that much about things like subatomic particles. But you may remember this one big thing that happened about a decade ago. Physicists believe they have finally found the Higgs boson, a subatomic particle that's a building block of the universe. What is the energy that drives the Big Bang? The Higgs particle could have the key to this whole cosmic puzzle. Until today, the so-called God particle, the key to our understanding of the universe, existed only in theory, but not anymore. The so-called God particle, officially called the Higgs boson. Scientists at CERN, the European Particle Physics Lab, using a gigantic machine known as the Large Hadron Collider, the LHC, had been trying to recreate the moment after the Big Bang when scientists posit that the whole of the universe expanded outward. Back in the 1960s, physicist Peter Higgs had predicted we would find a subatomic particle known as a boson that was there at the very beginning of, well, everything, the origin of matter in the universe. And in 2011, they did. They found it. Physicists and journalists packed into CERN to hear the big announcement in 2012. And it was also broadcast to universities and labs around the world. The interesting thing about this particle is different than any, any other. It has a different place. It actually has a relationship to the state of the universe. As a layman, I would now say, I think we have it. Wall Street Journal science reporter Island Woodward says one of the reasons Higgs is so important is because it helps to give many other particles mass. The Higgs boson particle is almost a linchpin to the standard model because it indicates the existence of this Higgs field. Basically, the Higgs field is this invisible, ubiquitous energy field present everywhere in the universe that helps fundamental particles acquire their mass. But the thing is that Higgs boson discovery, it was a really rare occurrence. Kind of like finding a needle in a haystack when you already know everything there is to know about hay. And you've sifted through it like millions of times already. Since then, new particles have been found, but none has been as monumental as the Higgs. And the lull is bringing up some nagging questions. Some physicists say we need to build bigger, more powerful particle accelerators to help us discover more secrets about the universe. But there's also ongoing debate over whether to keep investing in these gargantuan machines, which cost billions of dollars to build and operate, especially when there are some emerging, less costly methods to help us find these answers. 
From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the show, Wall Street Journal science reporter Eileen Woodward and I report on the future of particle physics, what we've learned from these large-scale particle accelerators, and why some scientists are questioning their usefulness. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. There are more than 30,000 particle accelerators operating around the world, and more are in the planning stages. But the most famous one is the one we've been talking about, the Large Hadron Collider, where the Higgs boson was discovered. Dr. Mike Lamont had been a researcher at CERN for more than two decades by that time. I mean, I was in tears, of course. I mean, this was was quite an emotional moment for all of us. Really, really an amazing achievement, you know, for humankind. Lamont is now CERN's Director for Accelerators and Technology. He was there when the LHC was turned on. And he says it wasn't easy. There were some missteps that happened along the way. I mean, it was a real battle to to get it up and running. We switched on in 2008, 10th of September 2008. And nine days later, we had a major explosion in the tunnel. Took us over a year to fix it and start back up. The tunnel Lamont's referring to is about 100 meters underground, straddling the border between France and Switzerland near Geneva. It's shaped like a racetrack. And it is large, a cylinder nearly 17 miles in circumference. But it's what happens inside that's the good stuff. The recreation of moments after the Big Bang. The process that found the Higgs boson starts with a beam of subatomic particles, usually protons. They belong to a group of particles called hadrons. Sometimes the LHC also collides ions. But these particles, they don't go directly into the LHC. First, researchers put the particles through a succession of smaller machines, or rings, in the CERN complex. Each one accelerates the beams to a certain energy before directing it into the next, faster machine. This happens again and again, faster and faster, until finally they're fed into the last one, the mammoth 17-mile racetrack that is the LHC. So we focus the beams down to a very small size. We're talking down to 50 microns transverse dimension, so the size of a human hair. So the bunches are kind of like these thin hairs They're about 30 centimeters long, passing through each other at the interaction points. And then there are these enormous superconducting magnets, and they help to guide the two particle beams in opposite directions. And by this point, they're going so fast, they're traveling nearly at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Then comes the collider part. Lamont says the bunches can crash into each other hundreds of millions of times each second. But they don't make any sound because, like space, they're in a near vacuum.
The energy of the impact actually ends up creating a fireball of hot, dense matter. And it's during this process that other new particles can materialize. Lamont says researchers can watch these fireball-like events using special detectors. The, the, the collisions take place in the center of these huge detectors, which are layered in such a way that they can capture every aspect of that collision. So they're tracking particles, they're measuring energy, they're actually tr trying to capture every single piece of energy that comes out of that collision. The detectors are scientific instruments. They measure things like radiation from the collision and make the action visible to researchers who then document everything that's going on. And the crashes can be quite dramatic, like with the Higgs boson discovery. But Lamont says most of the time, it's like watching paint dry. So most of these collisions are not particularly interesting for the experiments. What we're looking for is extremely rare. Lamont says billions of collisions have to happen in order to maybe create a couple of interesting ones. The LHC is funded in part by the 23-member nations that make up CERN, which runs the complex. More than 600 institutions and universities, including many in the U.S., also do experiments at CERN. The LHC has been shut down for the past three years, getting technical upgrades. It'll be in a testing phase through this April and May and start operations by June. The recent upgrades have improved the technology of the injectors that spit out the protons and sometimes ions that will result in more intense, tighter bunches of protons. Nyland says that increases the amount of particles that can be collided and ups the chances of discovering new particles. The more protons that they can get to collide, the more data that they can collect. One of the physicists described it to me as more bang for your buck in terms of the physics return on these higher collision rates. And so the reason why getting more data is important is because sometimes these hints at the answers to these intriguing questions about things that are outside our current understanding of physics, sometimes those only show up once in every trillions of collisions. So the more collisions we have, the more likely we are to spot something, is how they described it to me. The Large Hadron Collider and other particle accelerators have clearly added to our scientific understanding of the quantum world. But the technologies developed to enhance the machines also help us to make other advances. Industries have built up around so-called E-beam irradiation technology, some of which originated with accelerators. This technique is often used to preserve and decontaminate food, killing microorganisms that could make people sick. Particle accelerator technology has also been useful in advancing computing, robotics, semiconductor fabrication, and medical imaging. And particle beams, like those used at CERN, can penetrate human tissue to treat cancer. Here's Mike Lamont again. CERN has been really active in the proton therapy, so, you know, protons for tumor treatment. And this now has become mainstream. This is stuff you can buy off the shelf, if you like, and this has been industrialized. CERN researchers are working with the Swiss hospital on a new cancer therapy that uses beams to deliver high-energy electrons to tumors in microseconds rather than the minutes it takes to treat people with traditional radiation. 
Researchers say that minimizes radiation's toxic impact on healthy tissue. We've been developing this very compact X-band technology for particle accelerators, so linear accelerators, which has now been picked up by the local hospital in Lausanne, so it's a big university hospital, to do what's called flash therapy. These innovations in so many fields likely wouldn't have happened without the basic science underway inside large-scale particle accelerators. But some scientists argue that these machines may have outlived their usefulness. We'll hear more about that next. So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data, the software to train it, and massive compute power, or... Another one bites the dust. Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need, helping generate better insights. All right! Nice teamwork, guys. Search HPE GreenLake. Over the years, the LHC has found other particles, but none that fundamentally changes our understanding of the universe like the Higgs boson. This lull is amplifying concerns in the scientific community regarding the cost-benefit ratio of traditional particle accelerators. Again, here's my colleague, Eileen Woodward. It's certainly not ideal, I think, for physicists to continue to not find these particles. Island says there were high hopes that the LHC would uncover additional mysteries about what our universe is made of. One of the big ones, finding the last puzzle piece of physicists' theory about all the building blocks of matter called the standard model. The standard model is scientists' current best theory to describe the most basic building blocks of the universe, so everything that makes up everything. The model explains how particles interact with each other. It mathematically explains three of the four fundamental forces of the universe. There's the electromagnetic force, the strong force that holds the nuclei of atoms together, and the weak force, which holds things together at subatomic distances and is responsible for most radioactive decay. The standard model predicted the Higgs boson, and when it was detected by the LHC, many researchers saw it as confirmation that the standard model was viable. But the model doesn't explain a bunch of things, including, crucially, the way gravity works in certain circumstances. Gravity doesn't fit neatly into the physicist's standard model. And Island says the standard model also doesn't explain the majority of what makes up the universe, dark matter and dark energy. Dark energy is this mysterious force that scientists think is playing a key role in sort of accelerating the expansion of the universe. Dark matter, they know a little bit more about, not because they've ever seen it. Essentially, researchers began to notice that galaxies were spinning faster than they should, sort of based off the gravitational pull of the matter that we could see, visible matter. That led them to conclude that there was something invisible, giving these galaxies additional mass, and therefore additional gravitational pull. You could think of dark matter as the invisible, shadowy cousin of matter, I suppose. 
Understanding these forces is essential if you want to comprehend what was going on in the early universe and what will happen going forward. Many physicists say the best way to answer these questions is with more powerful particle accelerators. But there are some concerns about that. First, it takes a lot of electricity to power CERN's massive particle accelerator complex. According to the most recent figures, CERN says it will use 1.3 terawatt hours of electricity annually. That's roughly what you'd need to power about 300,000 homes in the UK for a year. And some physicists have become concerned about CERN's energy use, especially in light of growing pressures from climate change. Mike Lamont says the organization is working on it. We are a big user. There's no doubt about it. So we really active pursuit of efficient energy use and energy saving. Uh, we have an energy management panel which is pushing um, deployment of um, energy saving technology, heat recovery. Lamont says CERN gets most of its energy from nuclear facilities in France, which does reduce the impact on climate change. But energy consumption isn't the only issue. There's also the money. Particle collider costs have ballooned. We're talking about billions with a B to operate. CERN's most recent annual operating budget was about $1.4 billion. And that was in a year that the LHC wasn't up and running. In the future, CERN has plans to build an even bigger collider, 62 miles in circumference instead of 17. It's projected to cost $22 billion. Now, it's not just CERN that's eyeing bigger, better particle colliders. Many research centers around the world, including in Japan and the U.S., have collider goals of their own. But the CERN blueprints are raising some eyebrows in the particle physics community. It's not only that they are expensive. It's not clear what we would get out of it. Dr. Sabina Hassenfelder is a research fellow at the Frankfurt Institute for Advanced Studies in Germany. She used to be a particle physicist and trained as one, but calls herself a phenomenologist, those who act as a bridge between theoretical and experimental physicists. The main task of the LHC was to find the Higgs boson, and that's what it did, and uh, it was good at this. And now it makes sense to upgrade it and see what else we can get out of it. So I, I have no problem with it. But is it worth building a bigger collider? Well, that's where I get a problem. Hassenfelder says the opportunity costs of spending money on a bigger particle accelerator at CERN are too great. And that it could take money away from more viable physics projects. I think the question you have to ask is like, what's the advantage of high-energy particle physics over some other area of uh, physics that we could invest in, or actually in the larger picture, some other area of science. And Island says Hassenfelder isn't the only skeptic. There are definitely certain scientists that are questioning the need for future iterations of particle accelerators in their current form, in this sort of giant 27-kilometer-sized LHC-sized form. Some folks have this sort of idea that we're reaching very quickly the shores of what particle accelerators can help confirm or deny in terms of theoretical physics. But there are still supporters. 
Nobel laureate Frank Wilczek won the prize in physics in 2004 for figuring out the equations that govern one of the universe's four fundamental forces, the strong interaction. It turns out that it's a very beautiful theory that goes together very nicely with the other theories of fundamental forces. Without Wilczek's equations on the strong force, the CERN experiments wouldn't make much sense. Wilczek says accelerators are still the best option to fill some of the nagging holes in our theories about things like supersymmetric particles that mirror each other, even though it's taking longer than expected. I, and I think a lot of people, were very optimistic that at the LHC they'd start to see these supersymmetric particles. They haven't yet, but hope springs eternal. They really should. (laughs) They really should be there. And Wilczek, like Mike Lamont at CERN, also points to numerous technologies that have benefited from the science of particle physics and accelerators, like in data processing and development of the internet. He also says that the basic research we're doing now could conceivably inform our future on things like how we make nuclear energy. Funding for particle accelerators has been controversial and political for a while including here in the U.S. 30 years ago, there were elaborate plans to build a giant particle accelerator, larger even than the machines at CERN. It was called the Superconducting Super Collider. But in 1993, after $2 billion had already been sunk into the project, Congress scrapped it over budget concerns. And right now, there's another massive new particle accelerator project that's struggling to keep up to budget and timeline the long baseline neutrino facility, and the deep underground neutrino experiment. Sorry, big breath here. It is called DUNE at LBNF, for short. It's led by the Illinois-based Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory. The project's under construction in both Illinois and South Dakota. And while it is getting $570 million in international contributions, the price tag on this one has been climbing from $1.86 billion in 2015 to $3.5 billion currently. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, the budget rose because of higher installation and construction costs. And DOA says, quote, more realistic estimates of the schedule and technical performance required to deliver the science. But what if there were a third vision for the future of particle physics? A path forward that resolves concerns about the high cost and energy-guzzling nature of accelerators, but preserves the potential for new discovery. That's next. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. The LHC remains critical to particle accelerator experiments throughout the world, But there are also numerous particle accelerator projects in the U.S. 
The U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Science operates more than a dozen large scientific research facilities that use accelerators or accelerator technology, and NASA operates a handful as well. To help make funding decisions on these projects, the DOE created a group called the High Energy Physics Advisory Panel, where members review and recommend accelerator projects. Of course, we're, we're, we're pushing the limits of what the LHC can do. Soren Prestemann is a senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab and on the panel. Prestemann says the U.S. remains committed to CERN and the LHC, but is also moving beyond it to other projects. And the community is looking for what is the next avenue to reach new energy realm to explore the new area of unknown, what new particles are out there. And is there something beyond the standard model of physics? That's really the quest right now. That quest right now still includes some high-budget, big footprint projects. But my colleague Eileen Woodward says the lack of recent progress is nudging some researchers to rethink giant high-energy particle accelerators. There is a way to continue probing the answers to some of these fundamental physics questions that are less expensive, certain experts say. You don't necessarily have to create the collider that goes to higher energies to make progress on this. You could have higher precision measurements at lower energies. Not that you could easily eliminate high-energy colliders altogether, but you may be able to reduce costs. An initiative pursuing these ideas, funded by NSF, the National Science Foundation, is happening at Cornell University in upstate New York. Called the Center for Bright Beams, it focuses on a subset of particle accelerator technology that's aimed at reducing energy usage and cost in these machines. Cornell physics professor Richie Patterson directs the program. She says one of their machines, the Energy Recovery Linear Accelerator, combines the best of circular and linear designs. Circular accelerators are great because the beam goes around and around in a circle and you can use it over and over again. But it will have a certain finite size because of that circulation. Linear accelerators have tiny, exquisite beams, but you can use it only once and then throw it away. And energy recovery LINAC somehow combines those two things so you get the very exquisite fine beam, but you get to recapture that energy and use it again. Cornell's Bright Beams program has a catchphrase goal. They say they want a beam in every basement, every university basement, that is. Meaning, if you could make accelerators smaller and more energy efficient, you could effectively make more of them, condense their size, and scatter them around the country where they could produce X-ray beams for industry or do scientific research. And if these new devices, like the ones being developed at Cornell, were able to reach their potential, they might be able to cut the size of future colliders. Right now, particle accelerators are very complex, often huge devices that need teams of experts to keep them running. But with better technology, we hope that they can be smaller, more compact, something where you just go and push a button in the morning and it pops on and and operates for you reliably all day long. And that possibility is there. I think it's right over the horizon. And there are lots of people, not just us, we're all working together to try and make that happen. 
The team at CERN is busy doing test runs with the LHC now, building up to the energy required to explore the fundamental questions of the cosmos. And whether it takes a mammoth machine, like a new circular collider, or a beam developed in a university basement, researchers will likely keep trying. Mike Lamont from CERN is hopeful that another Higgs moment is just around the corner. You know, the the universe is a strange, mysterious place, and we really don't know which way it's going to go. We don't, we, and as I say, we really don't know. We really don't know at the moment. Um, We don't know where it's going to show, and uh, it could yet show up at the LHC. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Archival audio for this episode was provided by CERN. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Our sound designer is Jess Fenton. Our fact checker is Maddie Bender. Many thanks to Island Woodward for co-reporting this episode with us and to Wall Street Journal Science Bureau Chief David Freeman for his editing support on this episode. Our producer is Caitlin Nicholas. Kateri Yoakum is the Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. And I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.